Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric, and I'll be covering all of the Nickelodeon shows that either started or ended between the times of February 13th to February 19th. And of course, February 14th is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there. And uh, given that it's a, uh, you know, once a year holiday, I might as well give you my top five Valentine's Day episodes of Nickelodeon uh, at the end when we go through all of our usual shows, but keep that until the uh, last part of the podcast. Surprisingly, you know, February is a pretty busy month for Nickelodeon. It's uh, it's it's pretty heavy, not as heavy as you'd think, but when it comes to, to movies, television movies, I found that Nickelodeon aired a lot of them during the month of February, which I'm, I imagine might be because it's the winter season and more people are then prone to to watch something like a movie on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. I don't know. I figure that the summers are going to be the most popular time for those kind of uh, big movies. But we, we got some some big ones on this list. We're starting off with a show that started four years ago on February 19th, 2018, Night Squad, created by Sean Cunningham and Mark Dworkin. The show ran for two seasons of 29 episodes. It's a, it, at least from any of the promotional images and, and videos I've seen, it looked like a nice little comedy set in medieval times. Uh, I, I, that, that kind of era is always ripe for, for good jokes, good humor. I'm a big Monty Python and the Holy Grail fan. So, you know, anytime you're, you're dealing with just the medieval and knights and, and kings and castles, you can find some good jokes in there. I also recommend Gallivant, uh, if you can find your way onto an international version of Disney+. Plus. For some reason, that, that ABC show is not available anywhere in the U.S. on, like, any streaming service, and it's just, like, it's crazy. But uh, if you are a fan of, of musicals, comedies, set in medieval times, definitely check out Gallivant. I'm a, I became a fan of that. Uh, on the same day... Four years ago, on February 19th, 2018, the TV movie Blurt premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, another movie starring Jace Norman by Nickelodeon. I believe they, they had a movie every year starring Jace Norman for like five or six years straight. He was just a powerhouse for this channel and continues to be signing uh, an exclusive deal, I, I believe, right with Paramount+. Plus over making new Henry Danger content, and uh, good for him. What a career to have had for yourself from such a young age to now, and to still be working with that company, and just in the future, uh, uh, being able to produce more. That's that's incredible. Good for you. But here's another TV movie that, that was starring uh, Jace Norman. It's, a, it's about somebody who loses their inside voice, and start speaking every thought they have out loud. So, not in the in the same kind of vein of liar liar, where the character is unable to to lie, has to tell the truth, is forced to. Uh, in in this way, 
it's not just your your lies. It's literally every thought that you have internally just gets blurted out, hence the name of the, the movie. That's an interesting concept. I I wonder how they pulled it off. Obviously, they couldn't go you know, full realistic with this or else it would probably be a rated R movie. But I, I wonder even for Nickelodeon standards, how, how well it comes off. So if you've seen the movie and you think it's, it's worth a watch, uh, let me know in the comments below. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you're, if you're not, and you're watching this on Spotify and you, and you think I should watch that movie, uh, hard enough, find this video on YouTube. Let me know in the comments below. Uh, next up, seven years ago, on February 16th, 2015, Splitting Adam premiered on Nickelodeon. Yet another Jace Norman movie on Nickelodeon. See, this is what I told you. Look, there's only a few years apart. Here we have two movies. Uh, Splitting Adam is a movie about uh, a young boy who has uh, clones of himself made. They basically take the wonderful concept of that Jimmy Neutron episode where he has all the clones of himself with, with each one with radical personalities. Not that Jimmy Neutron created it. I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to clones is the Michael Keaton film Multiplicity, which I I highly recommend. It is a it is an underrated gem of a movie. I at least enjoy it. Um, it's something I, that truly, truly deserves to hit cult status, but just for some reason hasn't. But... Um, Splitting Adam, another another vehicle for Jason Norman here. Oh, by the way, I want to give credit to the Blurt director, Michelle Johnston, and uh, writer Adrian Vina. Splitting Adam's director, Scott McAboy, and it was written by John E. Deaver and William S. Walker. Eight years ago, on February 17th, 2014, Breadwinners premiered on Nickelodeon, created by Stephen Borst, and Gary Doodles Durathel. I hope I, I said that last name correctly. I really do. Uh, the show ran for two seasons of 40 episodes. This was a Nicktoon that just completely was off my radar. Unfortunately, at the time that Breadwinners was on television, I didn't have a live feed of Nickelodeon. So my only chance of watching Nickelodeon content was if it was available on any of the streaming services I owned or if I sought it out by other means. And unfortunately, there was just no Nicktoons for a long period of time that didn't catch my eye from any of the, the you know, trailers I'd seen or any of the clips. Nothing just caught my attention enough to seek it out. So I unfortunately have not seen Breadwinners as a whole. I haven't even really seen an episode in full, but... I've seen enough to know that it brings enough of that just goofy Nickelodeon energy to the table, even in its concept. I know that it's it's a pair of ducks that drive a a bread van. Um, like that alone is is hilarious. Like, boom, that's a that's an elevator pitch right there that was signed off on. Uh, but I I would love to dive into this one day. I mean, eventually as I go through the catalog of Nicktoons. I mean, I can't just watch all the old stuff. I, I'm going to watch all that for the rest of my life, but I can't just keep rerunning the old stuff. Eventually, I got to go into these newer Nicktoons. But if you are a Breadwinners fan, let me know what you think about it. I, I would I would be interested to to see if 
there's any fans out there and what they what they feel about the show. Uh, this a show that I certainly have feelings about. Nine years ago, ending its run on February fifteenth, two thousand thirteen. Planet Sheen. No, Planet Sheen. Here we are again. Created by Keith Alcorn and Steve Odenkirk, Planet Sheen is a spin-off of the highly popular and iconic Adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius series, taking the uh, comedic character of Sheen and giving him his own vehicle series, placing him in the main character role. Um, I don't know how many times this has to happen in Hollywood before Hollywood gets the memo. Taking the comedic character of any show or movie and spinning that one character off as the sole subject doesn't work there there's a reason why they work where you see them there's a reason why sheen works on jimmy neutron as annoying of a character as he is he works because there's other characters to counteract his goofiness to counteract his energy to level him out so that you can handle Sheen. Even when Sheen is the focus of the episode, there's other characters to bounce that off of. When when you take the the that archetype of the comedic character, the one who's there to be quippy, the one that is is usually very popular, and you go, let's just make the show about them, it it just rarely ever works. And you can probably name a gem or two where it has worked, but the vast majority of times where they've tried, it's it's been a colossal failure. I wouldn't call Planet Sheen a colossal failure on its own. I would not call that that. That would be a bit unfair because there's a lot of work that goes into this show, both in the writing and in the voice acting, and I do find that there is a lot of good here in Planet Sheen to be found on planet sheen but as a spin-off of jimmy neutron it does it does fail in that regard it's just as a you know even taking that character and putting him in this situation it just i do not think it was the right move to make i i wouldn't have done that uh and and i wouldn't have spun off with sheen in the first place even spinning off with carl would have would have been a, a disaster spinning any character off of that show uh, it would have been far more interesting for them to have either made a full-on Ultra Lord TV show, and or if you wanted to spin off Sheen, if you if it if he needed to be the vehicle, go back to the um, the video game you know the video game Sheen episode and spin that off where Sheen gets stuck in in his Ultra Lord you know DVD set and has to go through the entire Ultra Lord series, but. He's like involved helping Ultra Lord out and you can build that comedy off where like he knows the episode bit by bit and is like trying to spoil it and then maybe causing other issues because of that and then has to read Yeah, you you could look at that right there. I felt like that was pretty creative. That was a that was a first draft right there at a Sheen spinoff. But I don't know. There's good to be found here. But I also think that you really have to go very optimistically into it you have to go in with an open mind um you what's something you don't have to be optimistic about which is just fact is the voice acting in this show is is top notch i mean uh, kevin michael richardson is 
absolutely just comedically on fire throughout this entire show. Rob Paulson, number one, even when he's just playing a knockoff of Carl, is still as show-stealing as Carl is. Uh, so I, I just got to shout out all of those wonderful voice actors. Give the show a watch. It's worth at least an episode here or there. Uh, I, we'll we'll talk more about Planet Sheen inevitably at some other point. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice to hear, though, that there's rumblings of Jimmy Neutron coming back. And with so many other animated properties coming back, come on, Futurama just got brought back. Don't don't you don't need to do spinoffs. Just announce that another season of Jimmy Neutron is coming out. Get back the writers, uh, make nicer animation, you know, keep the same designs of the characters. Just do it like that. That would be the the best thing. Another TV movie that premiered on television 13 years ago on February 16th, 2009, Spectacular, premiered on Nickelodeon, directed by Robert Iscove and starring Nolan Gerald Funk. The uh, the movie was was Nickelodeon's uh, attempt, I think, at like the high school musical market. That's that's at least what I gandered from all of the promotion of this movie. It's it's their musical event. Uh, it attracted 3.7 million viewers during its premiere, which hey, still a big number for uh, for Nick and especially for just like an unknown you know new property. I don't know if they made anything else with this universe. I think this was just kind of a one and done. I I imagine like 3.7 is still a lot of people you know there was not a spectacular two being thought about or just this didn't hit well enough or what they they thought it should hit or the dvd sales maybe weren't as hot i have no idea but that was uh that was spectacular once again if you think it's worth watching it's it's a tv movie it's a it's a one and done i don't mind putting in that kind of time if you think it's worth it let me know what you think 14 years ago, on February 18th, 2008, the Fairly Odd Parents' Fairly Odd Baby premiered on Nickelodeon. Talk about viewership. The Fairly Odd Baby, I believe the highest rated Fairly Odd Parents episode in, in the show's history. And I it may be one of the highest rated TV movies in Nickelodeon's history. 8.81 million viewers tuned in to see the uh, the birth of the very first Fairly Odd Baby in the show's history. The Fairly Odd Parents actually ended after the fifth season. I remember after the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour 3 uh, was, was done airing in the summer, there was a lot of chatter online how there was uh, seemingly the cancellations of both the Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron, that both shows were going to be finishing up with both their, their third and fifth seasons, respectively. And it was, that was a big bummer because that, to me, the way in my head I, I kind of partial off the Nickelodeon eras is, is the golden era is 90 to 2000 of Nickelodeon. Just bar none, that is the golden era. But the silver era of Nickelodeon from 2000 to 2010... You know, the golden, how there was the golden age of, of comics and the silver age of comics. Hey, just because you're part of the silver age, that doesn't make it any different, any less valuable than gold. Because during that silver age of Nickelodeon, we had the rise of the Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron, Danny Phantom, Avatar the Last Airbender. 
some big properties here. And to have this this big movie, this third crossover dimensional hopping outing, to have this this culmination, which, you know, yeah, I, I guess does feel like an ending, but there's still gas left in that tank. There's still so much creativity to be found with both of those worlds. And to find out that they were coming to an end, it was a bit of a bummer. So there's a few episodes of each show left to air on television. And I was watching this news every week on like the Butch Hartman forums and uh, other like Toon sites, Toon Zone. Shout out there to any of those forum users from that them, from that era talking about Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron coming to an end. It was a big deal. But all of a sudden, given some time, the Fairly Odd Parents once again came back from the dead because according to Butch, the Fairly Odd Parents were canceled and uncanceled multiple times at Nickelodeon for just ridiculous reasons. At at times where even if they weren't number one, they were number two. But the Fairly Odd Parents were always up there in popularity, in ratings. And the one idea that was just sitting there, it was a golden goose of an idea. The, the baby of Cosmo and Wanda, these beloved characters, it, beloved beyond the show. You can you could put Cosmo and Wanda anywhere and and people will know who they are. I mean, goodness, you put a green and pink object next to one another and guaranteed somebody out there can will snap a picture of of that happening and post it online and everybody will will crack jokes about how uh, Cosmo and Wanda can't fool us. Like that has now transcended into our culture. Cosmo and Wanda are extremely popular characters and to see their baby was an interesting idea. So the Fairly Odd Parents not only came back to tell us the story of the birth of Poof, their uh, their baby uh, fairy, but they also gave us an entire new season along with it of new adventures, giving Poof uh, a new world to explore, Timmy and a new you know baby brother essentially, giving Cosmo and Wanda new responsibilities. It was a whole new set of circumstances that they could play with. And yeah, you know what? It gave the the show longevity, and also unfortunately gave the the people the the powers that be the idea that every time they had to make a new season, we got to add a new character to to spice up this dynamic, and all that could be traced to to Poof being added. And I I don't blame Poof at all. He he's a character that although he can be used to to further the plot or be about the plot, he he doesn't really change the dynamic which is Cosmo, Wanda, and Timmy. But when you have characters that change that dynamic, that's when the show kind of really goes south. But yeah, The Fairly Odd Baby, still worth a watch. If you can go out of your way to, to check it out, I think to, uh, to honor its anniversary, it's, it's worth your time. 14 years ago, on February 14th, 2008, the Nickelodeon movie The Spiderwick Chronicles premiered in theaters. The movie, directed by Mark Waters, is based on the Spiderwick Chronicles book series by Tony De Tez Tony DeTerlizzi and Holly Black. And uh, the movie was made for a budget of $90 million and brought back $164.2 million. Uh, I saw this movie in theaters. I actually, this was the last movie I saw in my absolute favorite movie theater before it was uh, eventually shut down and then eventually after like a decade completely torn down but east windsor connecticut had a movie theater showcase cinemas that was just 
to this day, to this day, bar none, my favorite movie theater. And I've seen so many movies in that theater. And there was just an aesthetic about it that has just not been replicated in any theater that I've attended thus far in my life. They had neon signs all over the walls of different movies and King Kong was on there. They went above and beyond with their decorations and painting on the windows. It was absolutely a treat to walk into that place. And this was the last movie that I saw at that theater, and I don't remember it. I, I don't remember this movie whatsoever. I, I can tell you that um, I remember Martin Short and Seth Rogen's voices in this movie, but other than that, that's, that is it. If it's, I know that there's going to be a, a new Spiderwick Chronicles, I believe, on Disney Plus. They're getting a, a crack at it, and I think they're not just doing a movie. Maybe they're doing a, a, a series of it. But either way, if you're a fan of the the series, how how was this movie for you? I I'd actually like to know your opinion. I haven't met anyone who ever read the book series, but if you read the book series, how is this movie? And are you excited about the the new series or movie coming out from Disney Plus? Uh, let me know your thoughts. Is this is this worth a rewatch? That's that's kind of my main thing. Twenty years ago, on February sixteenth, two thousand two, the Rocket Power TV movie Race Across New Zealand premiered on Nickelodeon. This is not necessarily uh, a movie in the terms of of other TV movies how they're structured. This does take place within the the episodic nature of the show, takes up the last three episodes of the third season, but this is as close as you get to a Rocket Power movie. I mean, this, for all intent and purposes, is the Rocket Power movie, taking our, our cast of characters, and as you have heard from the title, taking them from their comfort zone of Ocean Shores, California, all the way to New Zealand, going uh, into an extreme sports decathlon of, of sorts. This uh, special introduced me to two things. Uh, number one, uh, the concept of zorbing. Zorb zorbing is basically those big plastic balls that you can get a full person into and you send them careening down a hill and you're, you're bouncing around inside of it. Those I first came across in this special and it was... I an obsession like the thought of getting in one of those things was uh, immediately on my mind and I could not get my mind off of it. I to this day I've not gone into a one of those properly like I've been in like smaller knockoff ones but not in an actual zorbing ball down a massive hill. That is a, a treat for myself. I I hope to experience one day. But until then this is a, this is a pretty good experience for it. That was introduced to me in this special, but also the idea of Vegemite and uh, Tito's obsession with trying Vegemite and then his immediate disgust of Vegemite. Uh, for those that don't know what Vegemite is, it's it's mainly like New Zealand, Australian, uh, a spread that is extremely popular around that that part of the planet. Or, I mean, it's it's probably popular in other parts, too, but... It is an extremely salty kind of spread. It is one that is usually, you know, meant for like toast or, you know, other other applications like that. But you want to put a very minimal amount on from from what I've heard. And uh, yeah, I've never actually gotten the, the opportunity to try Vegemite. I have seen it 
But just because of every, you know, all of the warnings and all of the rules with this, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I got to be there to try it authentically. Any other way is just is me getting the wrong experience. But yeah, if you get the opportunity to try Vegemite, uh, by all means, you know, give it a shot. You know, give yourself a worldly taste. But from what I have heard, just just spread a light amount on it. And of course, if you end up liking it, you know, you add, add as much as you please. But I would not I would not dump a ton uh, onto your, your piece of toast or whatever you're using. That would that would be a terrible idea. Uh, we have a uh, our last show of today's episode premiered 31 years ago on February 16th, 1991 and ended on apparently February 16th, 1994, 28 years ago. Uh, the show was created by Robert Mittenthal and ran for three seasons of 49 episodes. Uh, the show took place at Hawthorne High School with a group of high school students and a bumbling vice principal. Uh, that, I mean, very much sounds like Saved by the Bell, if you ask me. But uh, I, I've not not seen any bit of Welcome Freshman, even, even at this point. Uh, it just wasn't on my radar at the times that it was on. And by the time it was off television, 1994 is probably around the times I, I'm starting to gain the memories of watching certain things. So even if I watched an episode of this and came across it, I had no recollection of it whatsoever. But that is This Week in Nickelodeon History, and as promised, I'm going to give you my top five Valentine's Day episodes uh, from Nickelodeon's past. Uh, I went through a couple of live-action choices, but they were just not up to snuff with some of the choices I have here. But these are my personal top five. This is just not in any like particular you know reason other than if if you asked me to to pick the watch order of these episodes or any Valentine's Day episodes, these are the five I'd pick and in the watch order of this. But number five, Fairly Odd Parents, Love Struck, uh, first airing on February fourteenth, two thousand three. Uh, eventually, in this episode, the Earth is pretty much not the Earth, but at least the town of Dimsdale is split into both Himsdale and Hersdale where both genders are split from each other. And the song that takes place on the, the men's side, It's Great to Be a Guy, is one of one of the best bops in Fairly Odd Parents history. Like Guy Moon went all out on that one. Uh, definitely give this one a watch. But it's it's an incredibly fun Valentine's Day special for the Fairly Odd Parents, and it's one I highly recommend. Number four, not necessarily a Valentine's Day episode, but it is certainly an episode all about being in love and sending love through the mail. Uh, the Rocco's Modern Life, SWAC, S-W-A-K, which if you don't know what that acronym stands for, it means sealed with a kiss. Uh, Rocco falling in love with the uh, the male person. This episode first premiered on July 15th, 1996. Well worth a watch if, if you're into, if we're into this, this season of love, doesn't get any better than than this episode with the with Rocco and uh, what was the uh, Alicia, Alicia the male the male woman of of O Town, and eventually when Heifer becomes the the mailman and completely wrecks things. But yeah, if you have never watched that episode, go out of your way and check it out. Number three, Hey Arnold, Arnold's Valentine, 
one of one of my favorite episodes of Hey Arnold. This episode first premiered on February 12th, 1997 and has an incredible concept of the whole mystery date, blind date and, you know, with the mischievousness of Helga in full effect in this episode, finding herself in a precarious situation. Um, Arnold essentially sets up a blind date with his crush, Ruth McDougal, at a restaurant. And once Helga finds this out, ends up pretty much inviting herself to this restaurant uh, for, for Arnold to meet her uh, as his his pen pal. Takes, takes the position of his pen pal to meet at this restaurant at the same time that Arnold is trying to have this dinner with Ruth. And I think they're at separate restaurants. They're like across the street from one another. So Arnold is having to juggle between his Valentine's day date with Ruth at one restaurant and then, you know, meeting Helga at the other who is posing as another woman. It is just hysterical. The writing in this is fantastic. Absolutely worth a watch. If you have, have never seen it and specifically the fact that it's a Valentine's day special if we're going to be picky about this, then that one is worth a watch. Number two, SpongeBob SquarePants, Valentine's Day, first premiering on February 14th, 2000. Of course, I have covered this episode uh, in the I'm Ready, a SpongePod SquareCast catalog. Uh, it is one of my favorite episodes because it is paired with one of my favorite episodes of the paper. So anytime, you know, I saw Valentine's Day airing on television, it was a sign that one of my favorite episodes was coming up. But this episode in its own right is still extremely fun. It's all about SpongeBob just trying to go above and beyond as a friend to show his his best friend how much he loves him and just things going uh, awry. But certainly if you're in a Valentine's Day mood and you're in the Nickelodeon mood, add it to your rotation. It's only, you know, hey, only like 11 or 12 minutes. Well worth a watch. But number one, my number one Valentine's Day episode from Nickelodeon, The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, Love Potion 976-J. This episode is iconic for Jimmy Neutron fans. And, you know, speaking of which, all that talk of Planet Sheen kind of, now we can swing back to a positive end here with Jimmy. But... This episode in particular sees Jimmy working on an experiment known as pheromone 976-J, a pheromone that once someone is under the influence will essentially fall in love with the first person they see of the opposite gender. Uh, through the course of this episode, Jimmy, Sheen, and Carl all get sprayed with this pheromone and fall in love with Cindy, Libby, and Jimmy's mom, respectively. That's right. Carl gets sprayed and falls in love with Jimmy's mom and brings up some of the best jokes f from this show that, that kept on going. Like, that storyline was was started here and then was an ongoing gag throughout the rest of the show, and it's one of my favorite bits of Jimmy Neutron. Like, if you asked me, like, top three, you know, bits of Jimmy Neutron... I might even say number one would be everything that Carl does for Jimmy's mom in this episode. The, the serenading, all of the, the anger towards Hugh. It's just this is 100% a necessity 
for your Valentine's Day watching. Even if you're not in Nickelodeon mood, I don't care. You could be in a not Nickelodeon mood, and this episode is still worth watching in your rotation for Valentine's Day, even if it's not Valentine's Day. It could be President's Day, Arbor Day, Earth Day, any of it. Love Potion 976-J is well worth watching. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this week's episode. Um, as always, my name is Captain Eric. Thank you for being a part of my week and for making me a part of yours. If there's any way that you can uh, support the show by sharing its links to other people who may be, you know, become fans of the kind of content I'm creating, if you can like, you can subscribe, all of that stuff is always appreciated. Thank you very much to anyone out there uh, supporting this show. I love each and every one of you. Stay safe, and we'll see you here next week.